Dear Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory for your goodness and your faithfulness towards us. We thank you, Father, for your blessings. And we thank you, Lord, for your word which you have sent to us to give us light on our pathway to heaven. We have come at this moment to fellowship with you. We pray that you will be with us in the person of your Holy Spirit, that you will grant us power, power to resist temptations, power to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to rightly divide the word of truth and that you will strengthen us. As I will be speaking, I commit myself to you and I pray that you put your words in my mouth, that I may speak words of blessings and courage and help to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. So gradual was Solomon's apostasy that before he was aware of it, he had wandered far from God. Almost imperceptibly, he began to trust less and less in divine guidance and blessing, and to put confidence in his own strength. Engrossed in an overmastering desire to surpass other nations in outward display, the king overlooked the need of acquiring beauty and perfection of character. In seeking to glorify himself before the world, he sold his honor and integrity. The conscientious, considerate spirit that had marked his dealings with the people during the early part of his reign was now changed. From the wisest and most merciful of rulers, he degenerated into a tyrant. Once the compassionate, God-fearing guardian of the people, he became oppressive and despotic. Men who have the use of money are to learn a lesson from the history of Solomon. Those who have a competence are in continual danger of thinking that money and position will ensure them respect, and they need not be so particular. But self-exaltation is but a bubble. By misusing the talents given him, Solomon apostatized from God. When God gives men prosperity, they are to beware of following the imaginations of their own hearts lest they endanger the simplicity of their faith and deteriorate in religious experience. The lesson for us to learn from the history of this perverted life is the necessity of continual dependence upon the counsels of God, to carefully watch the tendency of our course, and to reform every habit calculated to draw us from God. It teaches us that great caution watchfulness and prayer are needed to keep undefiled the simplicity and purity of our faith 
if we would rise to the highest moral excellence and attain to the perfection of religious character, what discrimination should be used in the formation of friendships and the choice of a companion for life? Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Sold Out. Because of the apostasy of Solomon, the Lord raised up three people to trouble his kingdom. Solomon was met with an instruction from a prophet of the Lord. It says in 1 Kings 11 verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of, thy ha of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend all away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. So after the Lord said this, God raised up three different people. There was one called Hadad, who was an Edomite, and then there was also um, Jeroboam, who was the one of the captains of Solomon himself, who Solomon put there as uh, one of the captains of his army. And then there was a man called Rezon, the son of Elida, and this man also was raised up and they troubled the kingdom of Solomon and the Lord did this in uh, mercy to Solomon because if the Lord did not do this, his eyes would not be clear. He would still continue in his sin. But this was a means for the Lord to recover Solomon so that he would come back to his senses and see that he was going in the wrong in the things that he did and the things that Solomon did. Words cannot express how terrible it was. The Bible just concisely explained what Solomon did in departing from the Lord. But now, let us go back to the source of Solomon's problem. What was it that caused Solomon to go this far into sinning against God? We read in Conflict and Courage, page 193, paragraph 3, it says, Engrossed in an overmastering desire to surpass other nations in outward display, the king overlooked the need of acquiring beauty and perfection of character. In seeking to glorify himself before the world, he sold his honor and integrity. End of quote. So this is how Solomon sold out. Because of the competition to keep up with the Joneses and the Smiths, if you understand what that means. In our own personal lives, there are times when we also get into this competitive attitude, ambition, where we are thinking that a man's life consists in the abundance of the things that he possesses. When we read of Solomon, we hear of how much wealth Solomon amassed for himself. And in amassing this amount of wealth for himself, he was not doing it because it was necessary. He didn't need all those things he amassed. He was in a competition with the nations around him. You see the world today, how nations are also in competition with themselves. Different kings want to do things and show off to the next king or the kings to their presidents, of course. And they show off their kingdom to others. You see, in a miniature form, we also do the same thing with our neighbors. And there was a place that Solomon spoke of this. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, he confessed and said, I'm reading from the New English translation, he said, 
Then I considered all the skillful work that is done. Surely it is nothing more than competition between one person and another. This also is profitless like chasing the wind. In another version it says, I have also learned why people work so hard to succeed. It is because they envy the things their neighbors have. But it is useless. It is like the chase it is like chasing the wind. I thank God that Solomon realized later in his life that the competitive lifestyle he was living in competition with we read of of Nate of um Ethan and and some other people who were wise men in his generation and the riches of Egypt and the riches of other nations uh, that surrounded him. It was all the competition. When you read about all the things that Solomon had, his golden throne, the lions by the side, and all of that, the, dr- the dresses of his of his um, attendants, the pools that he did, the maid servants, the women servants, and the, the singers that he brought into his household, all of that. It was all the competition. And why was he doing those things? Because he wanted to surpass the nations that surrounded him. Like we just read now, Solomon understood later on, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4, he said he has seen, this is the reason I was working. I was just working hard to succeed because I was envying my neighbor. And like we read in another version, it said it's more, nothing more than competition between one person and another. But Solomon realized it. How about you? Have you realized it? Why are you working so hard? Solomon was working so hard. He was a man of hard work. But what was the purpose of it? Just to surpass his neighbor. And he spent money. Instead of using it to the glory of God like he was doing when he was younger, he started to spend money on himself to exalt himself so that he would be the most magnificent king that ever was. But Jesus said concerning Solomon that when you see the birds, that Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of those birds. Solomon spent a lot of money in clothing and in getting men singers and women singers and building houses and all of that. But all of that, he couldn't still reach the beauty of a bird. He sold out. He sought to glorify himself before the world. And that was how he got derailed from where he was supposed to be. Conflict and Courage, page 193, paragraph 5 says, Men who have the use of money are to learn a lesson from the history of Solomon. Those who have a competence are in continual danger of thinking that money and position will ensure them respect and they need not be so particular. But self-exaltation is but a bubble. By misusing the talents given him, Solomon apostatized from God and many today are apostatizing by the misuse of the money that God has given them. When God gives men prosperity, they are to beware of following the imaginations of their own hearts lest they endanger the simplicity of their faith and deteriorate in religious experience." End of quote. So what is money to be used for? It is to be used to bring blessing to the rest of the world. We saw that Solomon was doing that in the earlier part of his reign, but it was not so later on. Solomon started to spend on himself and became hard. You know we read in our devotion two days ago that in the wisdom of Solomon, all of Israel and Judah dwelt safely, every man under his fig tree, everybody was comfortable. But it was not so till the end of his life. Later on, Solomon sold out. He sold his people so that he can get exalted. He, he, he did a lot of things to oppress Israel. 
and the surrounding nations just so that he can get richer himself. So what is money to be used for? When I read when we read from Gospel Workers, page fifty one, paragraph two, we are told every opportunity should be improved to extend the truth to other nations. This will be attended with considerable expense. But expense should in no case hinder the performance of the work. Money is of value only as it is used to advance the interests of the kingdom of God. The Lord has lent men means for this very purpose, to use in sending the truth to their fellow men. End of quote. This will be a very good use of money. It says men will invest means in that which they value the most and which they think will bring them the greatest profits. When men will run great risks and invest much in worldly enterprises, but are willing or but are unwilling to venture or invest much in the cause of God to send the truth to their fellow men, they give evidence that they value their earthly, earthly treasure just as much more highly than the heavenly as their works show. End of quote. We are not to be like this. We are to understand that money is to be used for advancing the cause of God. If we want to cure in ourselves greed and covetousness, the solution is to give. Give the money to the cause of God. Use it for things not to glorify self, but to glorify God. And how do we glorify God with our money? By using it to spread the gospel, get tracked and share to people. Give to those who are needy, the needy poor, the worthy widows, give to them. And also to those who are doing the work of God, give so that the work of God can move forward. Print tracts, print books for yourself that you will share to others who will read those books and they will be blessed. But money that is spent on self is more than wasted. It is gone forever. But when we spend money in the cause of God, we are laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven where moth and rust will not corrupt and where no thief will break through and steal and we will get it back to ourselves plenty folds. In the book That I May Know Him, page 351, we are told it is a time now when we cannot for a moment take the spiritual eye from Jesus. His admonition to us is, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Is there one professed Christian who needs not the warning and whose heart will not bear watching? The heart must be kept with all diligence under constant watchfulness. What are we to watch? Watch the stealthy approach of the enemy. Watch against old habits and natural inclinations lest they exert themselves. Force them back and watch. Force them back if need be a hundred times. Watch the thoughts. Watch the plans, lest they become selfish and self-centered. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Watch over the souls whom Christ has purchased with his own blood. Watch for opportunities to do them good. Amen. What was it that was Solomon's downfall? He was not watching himself. We read that the lesson for us to learn in this history of the perverted life of Solomon is the necessity of continual dependence upon the counsels of God. I wish I could say this over and over again. There is a necessity of continual dependence. When we say depending on God, it simply means depending on God's word, on his counsels. Do not go 
in your own direction, after your own heart and after your own imagination, for that is where your trouble will begin. We also learn the lesson to carefully watch the tendency of our course and to reform every habit calculated to draw us from God. That is the lesson that we learn and that's why I just read now from that I may know him, page 351. We must watch ourselves. Watch especially your plans. Are your plans becoming selfish and self-centered? How do you know? In fact, whether your plan is becoming selfish and self-centered, when you are doing things for self-exaltation, and sometimes this our heart is so deceptive, it will give us many other reasons why what we are doing is necessary. Why are you buying this house? Eh, I need it for this. I need it for that. There's nothing wrong in buying a house. Don't don't get me wrong, but the motive is what matters. And when you see yourself doing it just to compete with your brethren, compete with your neighbor. Why did the thought even come to your mind in the first place? Was it because you saw your friend's phone that you want to buy a new one? Was it because you saw their car or was it a necessity for you to get that car? There's nothing wrong in having these things, the biggest of houses, nothing wrong with it. As far as you understand your heart and your motive, why you are getting it, and that it is a good motive, then go ahead. But watch your plans, lest they become selfish and self-centered. If you see that you are doing this thing just to get a kick out of it and then you love the way it looks and you are getting some pride and self-exaltation out of your possessions, please do yourself some good and do not deceive yourself. Tell yourself the truth that I am falling into the scene of self-exaltation. I am getting proud. I am getting into a competition with the Joneses and the Smiths. When you see yourself that you are trekking and there is really no problem, you have had no issues with it and you are fine with it but then because you go to church and you see everybody is driving a car, especially all of them are your mates. If they were not driving a car, you won't feel the impulse to want to buy one yourself. But because you see everyone enter into their car and you are waiting for the taxi or the bus before you can go to your own destination and you are feeling ashamed or you feel oppressed, then that's the reason you say, I must get my own car. Or you go to your friend's house and you look at how it is and you feel, hmm, I must build my own house. Or you see your friend's phone and you say, oh, I must get my own phone too. Or you see their clothes and you're asking, what was the name of this shirt? What, what designer is it? Or you're feeling, okay, I'll, I'll get my own too. I want to ensure that I also have this kind of dress because that's what other people are doing. Do you remember what we just read in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4? You just have to admit to yourself as Solomon did. You know, this is the difference between Solomon and many of us. Solomon told himself the truth. Many of us don't tell ourselves the truth. Solomon admitted, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4, Then I considered all this skillful work that is done. Surely it is nothing more than competition between one person and another. This is also profitless, like chasing the wind. In another version he said, I have also learned why people work so hard to succeed. It is because they envy the things their neighbors have. But it is useless. It is like chasing the wind and God bless Solomon. Even though he went astray, God bless him that he wrote things like this. How many of us will be as wise as Solomon to, even in our apostasy, write and say, I have understood why I was doing what I was doing. It was just because I was envying my neighbor. I was in a competition with my brother or with my father in fact or with my friend i wanted my house to surpass my father's own i wanted my phone to be better than my friend's own i wanted my car to be the latest and that was why i spent money on it is not out of necessity it was just a competition it was because i was envying my neighbor watch yourself watch yourself watch lest your plans 
and your whole ambition becomes selfish and self-centered. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch over the souls whom Christ has purchased with his own blood. Watch for opportunities to do them good rather than watching for opportunity to spend on self and exalt self. Amazing Grace, page 332, paragraph 6 says, If you draw close to Jesus and seek to adorn your profession by a well-ordered life and godly conversation, your feet will be kept from straying into forbidden paths. If you will only watch continually, watch unto prayer. If you will do everything as if you were in the immediate presence of God, you will be saved from yielding to temptation. And may hope to be kept pure, spotless, and undefiled till the last. If you hold the beginning of your confidence firm unto the end, your ways will be established in God, and what grace has begun, glory will crown in the kingdom of our God. End of quote. Amen, I say, and I hope you're also saying amen. But there is a condition. Everything I was reading now was saying if, if, if. What are the ifs here? If only you will watch continually, not just today. Watch continually on to prayer. Don't just watch. Sometimes you know you watch yourself and you can see, oh, my plans are becoming selfish. But do you pray about it? Don't just watch. When the temptation comes and you have seen it, hmm, there's temptation coming. Pray. Don't stop there. Don't stop at watching. Continual watching unto prayer. That's what we should do. If we do that, then if we will do everything as if we are in the immediate presence of God, oh, that I may do everything as if I'm the immediate presence of God. You know, if we always remember that we're in the immediate presence of God, there are so many things we will not do. So many things we will not say. We will not tell lie in His presence. That is a sure thing. You may think that is a lie. It is not a lie. If God was here with you, you will not tell lies. I mean, if you could do things as if you knew he was here with you because it's all the time with us. If I would remember that God was always with me, there are many things I will not say. There are many things I will not do. There are many things or places too that we will not go to. But if we can learn to live as if we are in the immediate presence of God, we will be saved from yielding to temptation and then we will be kept pure, spotless and undefiled then if we would hold the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end, our ways will be established in God. That is the promise that I leave you with today. Watch your plans lest they become covetous. Are you doing things out of envy to your brother or your neighbor? You may say to yourself, I don't know whether it's envy. You know, many people don't admit that they are envious. When you are in a competition, you realize that your motive for doing something is because you saw another person doing it then you know that you're in the competition. If the need for something never came to your mind before, but then because you saw someone using that thing or having something, now you you realize somebody can see something and for its functionality, you get it. You understand, oh, this I, I see the function of this one. I didn't know about it before. My friend has it and I saw the function that he has and I love the functions and I see how it's going to help me to achieve something better. It's more comfortable, more um useful there's nothing wrong in getting it but when we are doing it just because we feel inferior just because we want to feel like we are in the same category or in the same level as someone else or even want to supersede them oh my then you are entering into that thing that solomon said that all the skillful work of man is just done because he's in the competition that's why he's doing it 
all the skillful work of man, it is nothing more than competition. Is your own ambition just competition? There's nothing wrong in being ambitious to the glory of God. Ambitious to do the things that God wants you to do. I wake up in the morning. I'm in no competition with anyone. Then you are doing something that is good for yourself. If you realize that you can be motivated without looking at another person, is another person your motivation just because you have seen this person walking? I say, I want to work hard so I can meet up. It's competition. But if you can see the need for a work and do it just because it is needed, not because another person is doing it, then you know that you are ambitious for the right purposes just because you want to solve a need that you have seen. Especially it is the case in the work of God. Ministers are not to be in competition with themselves. They are to see the work that needs to be done and be ambitious for the glory of the Lord. And it will take something from you. It will take your means, your time, your money. It will take it your talents. It will depreciate when you are doing the work of God. And you realize that it is a means of bringing glory to God and solving our own problem of covetousness and envy when we put our money into the work of God to solve our problem and when we are ambitious for his glory don't be ambitious to supersede another person you know like I said people work for two reasons one can be out of necessity which is good I'm doing this thing because it's necessary but another person is so ambitious he's achieving so much and he's being successful but it's just because he's envying his brother it's just because he's in a competition and like people say it's competition that makes the world go round some people want to even justify it ah, competition is good competition is good. but it's not good it is not good because competition is that thing the Bible calls emulation, which is what Solomon fell into. He fell into the work of the flesh, which the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse 19 and 20 there, that it is the work of the flesh. One of the work of the flesh that is identified in Galatians 5, I believe that should be exactly in verse 20. It is emulation. That is what is called selfish rivalries. It is a work of the flesh. Many people don't know that motive matters. If your motive is a competitive one, if you are in a rivalry, you are a sinner. You are sinning against God. I I don't know how else to say it. I must say it as plainly as it is. If your motive for working is because you are in a competition with another person, you are in a rivalry, you are a sinner recorded in the books of God as a sinner. It is a sin to go into rivalry. Check it there. Galatians 5, reading verse 20. Rivalry in competition. It is a sin. And this was what made Solomon to sell out. He sold out because of competition and started to do things like he said himself because he was envying his neighbor. May the Lord deliver us from envy and the spirit of competition, but rather may he put in us the spirit that sees the necessity and desires to do it not because we are in a competition with a brother, not because we are envying our neighbor, but because we want to bless others. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, please cure us of the spirit of envy and competition. Help us, Lord, not to sell out like Solomon did. Help us, Lord, to admit to ourselves the reason for our ambition. If it is that we are being ambitious just because we are trying to get the better of our neighbor, please, Lord, forgive us and give us the grace to change. Because it has always been the case for many of us that we have been in competition with our brother we do things because or we buy things because we want to feel like we are in the clique lord forgive us for these things and help us to have a noble meek mindset that does things out of the necessity and help us lord to put our means into your kingdom and not for exaltation of self thank you for hearing our prayers in jesus name of prayer. amen